0: Good morning, Abundant Life. My name is Bob Tim. I'm the lead student pastor here, and I wanna welcome you, whatever your campus you're on, if you're watching online here in Happy Valley. We're so glad you're here and you're a part of this series with us. Uh, we're in this series called Grounded, where we've been unpacking the idea that God is all around us. And the key verse has been Colossians one twenty-three. It says, you need to remain well-established and rooted in your faith, and that's where we've come up with this idea of being grounded in your faith. And don't shift away from the hope given in the good news that you heard. This message has been preached throughout all creation under heaven. And so we see in this, in this verse that the good news has been preached throughout all creation. God is all around us. And as we begin to recognize, us, recognize this, we become grounded in our faith. So thus far in the series, we've looked for God in the sky. We've looked for him in fire, in sweat, tears, dirt, and in water. And today, we're going to look for God. I almost feel like we need a drum roll. Today, we're going to look for God in the thunder, in the thunder. So if you have uh, your journals, go ahead, get those out. Uh, We're going to be in week seven. We encourage you each week, bring your journals, uh, take notes as we go. Uh, You're going to want to get those out to week seven. Uh, It was a a couple months ago that Pastor Jeremy asked me if I'd be willing to teach one of the messages in the Grounded series, and he told me a little bit about what the series was gonna be about, and I got really excited. I said, absolutely, I'd love to. Hit the ground running, started writing, and uh, was really excited about today's message. Then I sat under week one of the series as Pastor Jeremy launched his message on Sky and, and began to set up the series. And as he did, he pointed something out called Slido. And so this is something we're gonna keep doing. It's basically a Q&A platform where you can ask questions about the message and then each Wednesday he's been posting a video answering those questions. It's allowed us to go deeper together. So to ask questions, all you have to do is go to the website sly.do enter event code grounded and you can ask questions now as he said that week 1 he said something i wasn't quite expecting he said and we're going to do this each week of the grounded series at that point he had already asked me if i was going to teach one of the grounded messages so in my mind i'm thinking wait my week 2 am i am i doing a q and a and i found out i am doing this week's q and a I'm really excited about that. So I wanna encourage you, if you have any questions that come out of the message, please go to Slido, Event Code Grounded, and ask them. Also, I mean, don't be scared. If you're like, man, I just wanna lob him up a softball so he can just knock it out of the park, look very theologically sophisticated, that'd be great too, so don't, don't be afraid to. Easy questions are allowed this week. If you've got like a really difficult one, just save that one till next week. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy, he'll be back, All right. Something else that Pastor Jeremy did as he launched week one, he said, and I want to start us off with a poem and get us really, you know, creatively thinking about the topic at hand, and then he said as well, if you've been here, he said, and we're going to do this each week as well. So I'm thinking, okay, wait, now, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even ask him, do I have to do a poem? I just was like, okay, I'm going to do a poem, it's going to be great. What I realized very quickly is that researching poetry is hard. I, I looked at poem after poem after poem and there was not one that would really set up our topic well. I looked at poem after poem on thunder and there was, there just wasn't one that I resonated with. So after much time, I eventually decided I'm going to write one. <laughs> Don't clap yet. You haven't heard it. It could be terrible. Um, and, but before I read it to you, uh, another thing I realized as I was you know, researching this topic of thunder and writing this message, I, I realized I moved here from Chicago and I haven't encountered a thunderstorm in the Pacific Northwest since I've been here. You know, not like the thunderstorms from back in the Midwest where the dog goes running up the stairs, hides under the bed, and is squealing. You know what I'm saying? I, you don't know what I'm saying because you, maybe you, don't, you haven't experienced that. But thunderstorms where I come from were, were real and they were pretty frightening and so I was like okay well before I read my poem I've got to get this image and these sounds in your head so I want to show you a clip it's brief but it shows uh, and the quality is not great it's clearly someone just recording this but it's a great shot of thunder and lightning and the sounds are great but the first time it's really brief it's in slow motion and the second time it's kind of super slow motion so this this should open up our minds to the topic of thunder check this out That's thunder and lightning. I haven't experienced a storm like that since I've been to the PNW, the one where you're just a little little terrified inside and, and yet somewhat excited at the same time. Again, I don't know if you've experienced that. But I wanna to read to you my, my poem called Thunder with kind of those sounds in mind, that image in mind. Uh, this is my poem. Explosions of sound waves race from the light. Eardrums overflow as the night sky turns bright, water pours down, leaving empty clouds, while a mind interprets deafening sounds. Thunderbolts and lightning, indeed they are frightening. Is this house built on solid ground? That's okay. Right. Hey, thank you guys. You're too kind. Uh, let's, let's pray together and then we'll dive into the topic of thunder. God, today we want to search for you in the thunder. And so I pray that each of us listening right now would have ears to hear you, eyes to see you today. God, as we turn to your word, would you teach us more about who you are and who you are calling us to be in response. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, if you got your Bibles out, uh, go ahead, turn those to Matthew 14. Uh, We're going to be in verses 25 through 30 today. We're going to look at a passage where Jesus and the disciples encounter a storm. And as you turn there, I want to show you a story in the Old Testament where God does something unique with thunder. It's back in Exodus chapter 19. And at this point in the story, Moses has led God's people out of Egypt, and they have done, they have experienced God in incredible ways along this journey, and they've seen the, the Red Sea part in two. They've seen water come from a, a rock. They've seen food fall from the sky. It's been this incredible journey where Moses has been their leader, and they've seen God show up in many mighty ways. And in Exodus chapter 19, they arrive at the desert of Sinai, and Moses gets a word from the Lord. It's in verse 9. God says, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Have you ever had somebody verify you or somebody vouch for you? When I first moved here from Chicago and took over as the student pastor, one of the very first responsibilities that I had was leading a Mexico mission trip. And this was a trip that I had never personally done before, and it was a big team. We're talking 80, 90 people, and and I was gonna be the leader of this trip. And I'll, I'll never forget, the very first meeting that I attended, all the students and leaders were present, and my boss, Pastor Robbie, he got up on stage and he began to introduce me. And he began to share how excited he was that I was there. And he began to give details about what brought me there and about who I was. And and at the end of it, he says, and and he's gonna be your leader. And I I watched throughout the trip as he, this wasn't just a one-time thing. This was something he would constantly do. He was uh, affirming me, vouching for me, turning this trip over to me. In a sense, he was saying to the people present, he was saying, um, you know, the, the relational trust that we've developed, the relational equity that we've established, you can go ahead, you can apply it to him. It's very similar to what God's doing with Moses in this moment. He's saying, I'm going to come to you and and people are going to be gathered and they're going to hear me speak with you. And when they do, they will put their trust in you. You will be established as their leader when they hear me. And it's, it's kind of like what Pastor Jeremy was talking about last week where the woman at the well encounters Jesus and she goes and she tells everybody what her experience was and they're intrigued, but it's not until they experience Jesus for themselves that they're fully bought in. And there's something about the people hearing God for themselves, that's gonna establish Moses as their leader. This actually happens in Exodus 19 verse 16. It says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. So they're they're getting ready to hear from God. And I want you to notice how the presence of God is ushered into this moment. Thunder and lightning. There, there's this big cloud, this storm is brewing, and it's symbolizing the presence of God is being rolled out into this moment. And keep reading, the, everyone's ready for the voice of God, but the voice of God actually comes in the next few verses. And before I show it to you, I wanna show you the, the Hebrew word for thunder. And this is actually really cool. It's the word katol. But the root of the word katol literally means voice. So the people are gathered and they're, they're getting ready to hear from God and this storm brews and this storm you know, develops in their midst but it's almost as if there's this voice coming from heaven in the thunder. This gets even more clear though. Keep reading, 17 through 19. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. So they were in the camp. They see this storm, it's brewing. He brings them before the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. So everyone's gathered, they're ready, they're ready to hear from God and, and Moses speaks and what we see is the voice of God answered him but what you have to see is that this word voice, the voice of God answered him, it's the same root as the word thunder. Some translations even clearly note this. The NASB puts it this way. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, God answered him with thunder. And so in the midst of this storm that brews, they hear a voice coming from the heavens, but it's coming by way of thunder. We have the voice of God in the thunder. Now, the voice of God and and even the presence of God being revealed through thunder is actually pretty common across the Old Testament, but it comes up in the New Testament, in John chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said, It had thundered. So God speaks from the heavens to Jesus in this moment. And everybody that was gathered there, they said it came by way of thunder. And and what I want to note before we move on, if you read that Exodus passage clearly, and if you read the passages across the Old Testament that talk about God being revealed through thunder, the people's response is they're always terrified. They're always terrified. Now, with with this idea in mind, God speaking through the thunder in the midst of the storm. Let's look together. Matthew 14, 25 through 30. I want to start with just those first few verses, 25 through 28. It says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. So in this passage, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and then he sends them on a boat across the Sea of Galilee. And then he goes off to pray by himself. It's something that he's constantly doing throughout the New Testament. And and what we see now as we change the scene to the disciples out on the boat that they're on the Sea of Galilee and this storm brews in their midst. And this is actually really common on the Sea of Galilee. It's a sea surrounded by mountains and cold air would rush down off the mountains and warm air would rise up off the sea. And that combined with the fact that the sea is really shallow is all science for the fact that violent storms can come out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. It can be calm one minute and terrifying the next. And so the disciples are out on this boat. And I don't know what you think of when you think of boat. I like to think of a yacht. Okay, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think they're on probably a pretty small boat and then this violent storm comes out of nowhere. So you can imagine they're, they're pretty scared. And then they see something on the horizon coming towards them and now they're terrified, it says. They think it's a ghost. And as it gets closer, it's, it's Jesus and he's walking on the water and he says, guys, don't, don't be afraid, it's me. If you're hearing that for the first time, that might be a little strange to you, and I, I think it is strange. I think we, we've all heard at some point or another that Jesus walks on the water, but it's, it's really kind of a strange story. Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples in the midst of the storm, but what I find to be the strangest part of this story is Peter's response. You know, like, what, what's going on with his request in response to Jesus? This puzzled me. I can't tell you how long I looked at this and I, I just wasn't making the connection. How did this conversation go from Jesus saying it's me, don't be afraid? To Peter saying, Lord, if it's you, invite me to come onto the water with you. How do those connect? And then something hit me. Have you ever felt like you were called by God to do something? You know, have you ever felt God was telling you to do something, and it might have been something strange, it might have been something scary, but you knew he was calling you to do it. I think there's this moment where Peter, he just knows, if this is Jesus, he's going to invite me out onto the waves with him. I think he, he just knew, have you ever had that? You ever felt like God was calling you to to do something? And and maybe it was welling up inside of you and and maybe you you tried to push it down like, no, I'm not the right person. Uh, Now is not the right time. I couldn't possibly be strong enough to do that. Maybe you tried to push it down, but at the end of the day, you knew God was calling you to do something. Again, maybe something strange, maybe something terrifying, but you knew. I, I think Peter in this moment, he just knew. And he has this, this task in front of him, this, this terrifying task. He feels like if this is Jesus, he's gonna invite me on to the waves. And so he says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Tell me to walk on the water with you. And it got me thinking, if, if that's Peter's terrifying task, my question is, what's your terrifying task? Where, where is God calling you in your life to do something? Where is God in your life inviting you to take a step into the storm? And my wife and I, we we recently experienced something like this. When we moved out here from Chicago, one of the first things that we did was we bought a house. And for the first time, we bought a house. I don't know if you've bought a house before. Dave Ramsey warns you that when you buy a house, financial struggles just come. Like he warned us, we didn't listen. But we bought a house, and it was just one financial surprise after another. And not like, surprise, you won the lottery. No, this was like, this was financial surprise of, of just devastation. I mean, we're talking medical bills that, I don't know if you've been to the doctor, but it's incredibly expensive, and, and a couple of them added up, and all of a sudden we had this mound of, of medical expenses. We're like, I, don't ju- I just don't know how we're going to pay for these. It was a car accident that we got in that had implications we never saw coming. It was bill after bill that was somewhat random that we weren't even expecting, and it's like, how are we on the hook for this? But at the end of the day, we were. It was one financial surprise after another. And my wife and I, we've always desired to be generous. It's just always something we've, we've wanted to do, but we were entering, we didn't realize it at the time, but this was gonna be one of the biggest storms in our marriage. And in response to that, our, our giving started to decrease. And our rationale just made sense. You know, we were, we were praying to God, like, God, just let us get this mess cleaned up and, and then we'll start giving. And in a sense, we were saying, God, wait till this storm passes and then we'll start giving generously again. And then one day, it just, it just became very clear. You know, like Peter in this moment, Jesus, if it's you, just call me out onto the waves with you. We had our moment where we knew God was inviting us into the storm. He was saying, don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't just wait for it to pass. But we knew the thunder of his voice was loud. We knew he was inviting us into the storm. And so in the midst of it, we began giving as generously as we ever had before, and then we watched it just month after month after month. The the bills in our budget just didn't add up. The numbers didn't make sense, and we would eventually enter into one of the financially healthiest seasons we've ever been in. And, And I can tell you firsthand, the storm eventually passed, but what happened in the storm was radically profound. What we learned is that experiencing Jesus often looks like walking towards the storm. Not running from it, not hiding from it, not just waiting for it to pass, but actively stepping into it like Peter does in this moment. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, invite me out onto the waves with you. And so we pick up the story. Verse 29 through 30. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on the water. And came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, "Lord, save me." So God speaks through the thunder in the midst of the storm. And you might be thinking to yourself, like, "Why a storm? Why thunder? Surely there's a less terrifying way that God could speak to us. But if you're, a, if you're a parent or if you're a mentor or if you've walked alongside of somebody and you just wanted to see them grow spiritually, chances are you understand this. Chances are you've pushed someone to walk towards a storm in order to experience Jesus. You know, maybe it looks like a relationship. And you, you saw them in this relationship and you knew that it was toxic. And so you pushed them towards the storm. Hey, I think you need to break up with this person knowing that there was gonna be severe devastation in that, knowing that there would be heartbreak and sadness in that. You said, walk towards the storm in a sense, knowing that in it they'd experience Jesus. You know, maybe it was someone you cared about who was in a marriage that was, that was falling apart. And you, you pushed them to walk towards the storm, to stay and fight even though you know it's gonna be difficult, even though you know it's gonna lead to some long days and hard conversations, you push them into the storm. Maybe with someone who had an addiction and and you push them to, to get rid of it knowing the storm that they would walk through but knowing at the end of it they would experience Jesus. We, we understand this concept, it's scary, but Jesus speaks through the storm. And then we have this, this moment where, you know, Peter actually gets out of the boat. Jesus responds to his request and he says, yeah, come, come out onto the water. Peter gets out onto the water and he experiences Jesus in this incredible way. He's pursuing his terrifying task. His eyes are just fixed on Jesus and he's literally defying the laws of this world. He is standing on the water. But what I want you to notice is, he's pursuing his terrifying task. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. Jesus is literally present with him in this moment and notice, there's still fear. There's still fear in this moment. He's afraid. What I want us to see is, God is present in the storms, but they still can be terrifying. You know, Jesus is literally right before him, but he's terrified in this moment. If you remember in Exodus, the people are gathered before the mountain and they, the storm rolls in. They hear the voice of God, but their response is they're terrified. Uh, the writers of scripture, of scripture so often say that we should, that, that don't fear. You know, don't be afraid. Perfect love drives out fear. And I think sometimes that we interpret that as that if I'm afraid, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not trusting God enough. You know, I think sometimes we interpret do not be afraid in Scripture as avoid all situations that could lead to fear. And I I just, I think the opposite is true. I think that the pursuit of Jesus should put us in situations where the natural response would be fear. But the thunder reminds us that God's voice is present in the storms. So Peter's in the storm, his, his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He is pursuing his terrifying task, but notice what happens when he takes his eyes off of Jesus. You know, it, it should go without saying, but as soon as his eyes are removed from Jesus, immediately he begins to sink. Immediately the incredible accomplishment, this incredible experience with Jesus is no longer possible as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus. So again, it should go without saying, but if you're gonna have the boldness and the courage to step into the storm, if you're gonna be courageous enough to pursue a terrifying task that you feel Jesus is calling to you, you must keep your eyes fixed on him. Now I wanna point out this this storm that Peter experiences. This is a storm that he felt Jesus inviting him into. This is a storm that, that Peter chose to encounter, but I think it's important to note there are, there are many storms in life that we don't choose. You know, there are many storms in life that simply find us, and so I wanna finish with a passage earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter seven, and we'll put this one on the screen, but in this one, Jesus talks about the storms of life that we don't choose, the storms of life that just find us, and I think we can experience him in even these storms as well. We can experience him in Radical ways. It says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus had just finished up his Sermon on the Mount, possibly his most famous sermon of all time in Matthew 5 through 7, and he finishes it with these words. I mean, he had tackled so many different topics in this sermon. He talked about... uh, divorce, murder, adultery, loving your enemies, giving, praying, fasting, worrying, judging, and so much more. He talks about all these different things and then he ends it with this. If you hear me, if you put this into practice, it's like you're building your house on rock. And when the winds and the waves and the storms of life come, it's not gonna fall. If you don't put these things into practice, it's it's like you're building your house on the sand. And he's asking a question here, he's like, what is the foundation of your life gonna be? Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be sand? And I think it's a great question, one that we could explore a ton. But what I want you to notice in our context, in the context of storms, is that the storms come regardless of whether your house is built on rock or sand. The storms hit both houses you know, the reality is sometimes we, we can choose to walk towards a storm to experience Jesus, but sometimes the storms find us. And what we see in this passage is that the wind and the waves beat against both houses. Nobody is exempt from the storms. Yeah, I remember my, my first hospital visit as a pastor. I met Jesus in, in college and very quickly started serving with student ministries And I love students. I was watching students experience Jesus at a time in their life when I didn't have him in mind. And and I was loving student ministries. And so very quickly, I I was serving and then I became an intern at that church. And it it just progressed to me going on staff as a student pastor. And I couldn't believe that I was getting to do what I was doing. And then one day, uh, my boss, a guy named Pete, eventually he, he would become an incredible mentor of mine. And one day he gives me a call and he says, hey, uh, there's this couple in the hospital. You haven't done a hospital visit yet. Do you wanna come with? And I'll be honest, I was, I was pretty nervous. I was pretty nervous at that, at that request, a little bit excited just to see this side of ministry, but I was pretty nervous. And so I said, yeah, I'll come with you. And so we meet at the hospital and, and we just have this quick conversation before we go up to the hospital room and he tells me what's going on. And, and what I can say is this couple was probably in the biggest storm of their life, and, and he, he's talking me through this, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm equipped for this. I don't know if I'm ready for something like this, and, and he, he calmed me down. He said, don't worry. You're just observing me. Just just follow my lead, and so we go to the, to the hospital room, and I just watch as, as he prays with this couple, as he just loves them and listens to them and cares for them, cries with them eventually, and we have this incredible moment together. And then eventually he, he leaves, and we, we left together, and, and we get back to the church, and we're, we're talking about this. And it, it was this incredible experience. I was opened up to another side of ministry I had never experienced before, but we had this conversation just talking about what had happened. And he said something that was so radically profound, I'll never forget it. And honestly... I don't know if he'd remember saying this. It just seemed like something that he was saying and kind of coaching me through this conversation, but he said something that really changed my outlook on ministry and what ministry was and what ministry should be from from that moment forward. He was describing the role of the pastor, and he put it like this. He said, the role of the pastor is to pursue people in places of pain and point out the presence of God. I remember it because of all the peace. It's kind of a little tongue twister. But he said, again, I don't even know if he'd remember saying that, but he said that, and that just radically would shape how I viewed ministry from that point forward. In a sense, what he's saying here is that you should go after people who are in the midst of a storm, a storm that they didn't choose, a storm that has found them, and you should go after them, pursue them, and point out the presence of God in the midst of their situation, and as, a, as I think about this, the more I think about this idea, the more I reflect on it, the less I think that this is the role of the pastor and the more I think it's just the role of the church. That the church should be people who pursue others in places of pain and they point out the presence of God. You know, who in your sphere of influence needs you? Who in your circle of life needs you? just need someone to pursue them in the midst of the storm that they're going through and point out the presence of God. And, and let me encourage you, pointing out the presence of God doesn't mean that you have the perfect things to say. You know, it doesn't mean you say, oh, clearly God is right here, you just missed him. I think pointing out the presence of God often means you don't have any words to say. I think pointing out the presence of God often looks like being present and just listening to someone and praying with someone and, and letting them cry on your shoulder if they need to. I think pursuing people and pointing out the, place, the presence of God isn't a difficult thing to do. You just have to be willing. Who in your sphere of influence needs you to speak to them, to point out the presence of God in the midst of the storm that they're going through? And what, if, what if as the church... We were people, when we saw a storm on the horizon, we walked towards it, confidently knowing that in it we would experience Jesus. We didn't run from it, we didn't hide from it, we didn't just wait for the storm to pass by us, but no, we intentionally took steps into it, like Peter does. What if when the the storms of life find us, we would desperately seek for his voice in the thunder? I came across a a quote, sadly, the author is unknown, but it was this incredible quote that really encapsulates this idea of storms. It says this, finding God does not mean building a house in a land of no storms, but building a house no storm can destroy. This is the confidence that we have when we build our lives on Christ. It's not that the wind and the waves won't come. It's that in him, we can withstand any storm and somehow experience him in the midst of them. So I wanna just finish with, with two challenges for you. Two challenges for you to reflect on this week and, and hopefully put into practice. The, the first one is to identify your terrifying task. What is it for you? What is that thing in your life that, that God is calling you to Where in your life is Jesus inviting you to take a step, a a bold, courageous step into the storm, knowing that in it you'll experience him? Where is he inviting you into the storm? The thunder reminds us that God's voice is present there. His voice is present in the midst of any storm. My second challenge for you is who needs you to point out the presence of God in their life. Think about that, who in in your life right now just needs a a text, a call, a hey, let's get coffee. Who needs to hear from you? Who needs you to point out the presence of God in the midst of a storm that they're going through? Who needs you to to just listen to them and, and pray for them? Maybe you're in the midst of the storm. Maybe you're right now going through something that you didn't choose and it's heavy on you. I would encourage you at at all of our campuses, every single week we have prayer partners and and they would love to pray with you. Like like the role of the prayer partner couldn't be described better than pursuing people in places of pain and pointing out the presence of God. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the midst of this storm. I'd encourage you, don't walk through it alone. Come and, and let them pray over you and listen to you and hear you. Don't do it alone. We're going to finish today with a a time of communion. And I just want to revisit that that passage in John chapter 12. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thunders. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And Jesus says here that he is gonna be lifted up. And we know that that means he's gonna be lifted up on a cross. We know that Jesus entered into the storm of all storms for you and for me. Out of his great love for us, he encountered the storm and he laid down his life. And so as we celebrate communion together, as we remember what he has done, you're gonna get a piece of bread representing his body broken. and You're gonna get a cup of juice representing his blood poured out. And we remember that in this, he is drawing people to himself. We're gonna close with a song called It Is Well. And and I don't know if you've heard the story behind the song, but it was written by someone who was encountering the biggest storm of his life. And at the end of it, he penned the words, even so, it is well with my soul. And what, what an incredible message. What a perfect example of a house built on the rock. That even so, even in the midst of it, we can sing it as well. And so I, I encourage you to reflect on that this week, and we will sing that out together, let's pray. God, we know that you are present in the midst of the storms. God, for those in this room right now, for those listening right now that you have a terrifying task before them, God, I pray that you would invite them into the storm very clearly. I pray that you would give them boldness and courage. God, I pray that you would just vision cast what an experience with you looks like. That is the reason we wanna walk towards the storm. We want to experience you in the midst of it. God, I pray for those in this room right now who are going through a storm they didn't choose. God, I, I pray that the thunder of your voice would be loud. I pray that they would hear you in the midst of it. God, I pray that you would bring people around them that would pursue them and point out your presence in the midst of it. God, if, if you want some of us to be those people, I pray that you would put it on our hearts. God, and give us words to speak in those moments. God, give us ears to hear them. But God, for those people in this room right now who are in the midst of a storm, I pray your peace. I pray that their house would be so firmly established on the rock that they could sing it as well with my soul. God, we want to hear you in the thunder. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.